We're on our last little piece of this uh, six-part series um, that uh, Nat covered for me last week because y'all were so generous and let me go play with the kids last week. I had a great time. I think they might have learned something. Um, uh, We returned everybody uh, back to the right parents um, with the right clothes and shoes and all that stuff. And so I called it a success. I thought it was a win. And I learned a little bit about the word, and so we had a good time, and Nat did a fantastic job. If you weren't here, um, you can get on our website and get that and listen to it. Nat talked about getting over sin. Uh, but let's just go ahead and jump into this message here. The, <clears throat> the word tells us that in Christ, nothing should stop us in our growth to know God better and trust him more. And it's time to get over the stuff that tries to hold us back. God, we just sang that song, nothing's going to hold us back. Nothing's going to hold us back. And these little things, these little things come in and they try to bring wedges between us and God and us and others. And ultimately what we're trying to measure ourselves by is, is whether or not we're growing and loving God better and whether or not we're growing and loving people better. And these things can come in and, and, and hinder those things. And we've looked at this scripture every, every week. Romans 8 37 through 39 it says no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for i am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons neither present nor the future nor any powers neither height or depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that god the love of god that is in christ jesus our lord When we are placed in him, we are in his love. We should live in his love. We should operate in his love. We should grow in his love. It all comes back to that. And being a devoted follower of Christ means letting what we just sang really happen in our life. Let nothing stop us from living the full life that Jesus provides. Especially this thing of fear. Because fear will try to come in. Now, we've talked about dealing with getting over some of our, our issues with ourselves. We've talked about getting over some of our issues with others. We've talked about getting over <clears throat> some of the, the things we have about the, the, the fear of man and, and those kind of things. We've talked about getting over the, the issue of sin. We've talked about getting over a number of these, these, honestly, some pretty big hurdles that can come into our life. But then guess what? Once you have a victory... Once you've battled through, there's another battle on the other side of that. There's another one on the other side of it. Not that their life is this endless flow, but it deals with the one you just won. And the thing is, here's the one that we have to deal with. We get the win, okay? But then we have to make sure that this little thing doesn't seep in, this fear that this thing we just won over is going to come back into our lives. I'm telling you what, the, the marriage that has, that has survived and has made it through and is living in the victory of, of adultery or, or something else, then they're, they're living in the victory of it. They made it through. It didn't take it out. There's forgiveness. There's love. There's restoration. But if you don't watch it, this fear will come in that, oh, it's going to happen again. And it'll begin to cripple and it'll begin to debilitate. And the victory's there that hasn't happened yet. But then all of a sudden this thing can come in. The person that's had the victory in health in their life. They're living in health. They've battled the cancer. They've battled the disease. They've battled these different things. They've won it. But then now they're, they're living in that victory. But now this thing can come into the back of their mind. That, oh, what if it comes back? And then they're all of a sudden hostage to something that they've already had the victory in. 
Well, I, we, we, I've dealt with this stuff. I'm not angry with myself anymore. But what if I let it slip? What if, what if all of a sudden I'm, I'm this? I've not been controlled by the fear of man anymore. I'm not controlled by people's opinions. I got over opinions. But now, man, what, what if I don't watch it? What if I don't stay on top of it? And then this fear can come in. So what I wanted to cap this series with is this thing of making sure that the victories we've talked about living in, that we don't let something else come in and slap us right back in. Because that's where we tend to go right back around that mountain. Because what we tend to focus on is what we gravitate to. And that fear will make you focus on that thing. And then all of a sudden you can be totally free from it and then have this left-turning tendency and walk right back into it out of a place of fear. When uh, uh, years and years ago, Weston, he's, he's going to be 13 in April, and, uh, but he was little. He went back when he was about three years old. Um, we uh, had lived in a different house than we're in now. And uh, Lyndon was about this age. He liked to raise a ruckus too sometimes. She gets excited when daddy preaches. And uh, that's right, Lyndon. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And uh, anyways, and so uh, Lyndon was little and Carson, I mean, Weston was, uh, Carson wasn't even here yet. And, and Weston um, was about three years old. And our house had a detached garage. And so the garage was, was towards the back of the property. And so we'd pull in and we would park and we'd get the kids out. And uh, Keenan and Brooklyn would run up, and everybody was supposed to wait at the back door. The fence, was, the fence was short, so we had good line of sight. But it was still this idea of separation. And all was good except at night with Weston. And we would let him go at night, and Weston, he would just sit there, and he'd just look at the backyard. And he would just kind of lock down. And he's like, Daddy, I, I don't want to go in there. I don't want to go in there. I, I, I'm geared. I'm geared, Daddy. I'm geared. And uh, I'm like, Weston, this is your backyard. How many times have you played in your backyard? Oh, all the time. But there's nothing bad in your backyard. Your brothers and sisters are in there. Maybe that was what he's geared up. I don't know. <laughs> and so, and uh, he said, but uh, um, I'm, I'm geared. And I, so we walked through it. And I said, uh, you know, we go in the backyard. Is there anything to be scared of? No, but, but Dad, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still geared. So I had to remind him. I said, well, son, well, then you're going to have to remind yourself not to be scared. There's no reason to be scared. If it wells up, there is no reason to be scared. So even though this, this unnecessary fear comes up, you're going to have to remind yourself not to be scared. So it was a few days later. Sure enough, we arrive home in the evening. He bells out, and I hear him. I'm getting, the gate was on the driver's side, and I can hear him as I'm getting Lyndon, all that stuff. And he stops at the gate, and he's looking into that backyard, and it's dark. And I hear him go, I'm not scared. I'm not Garrett. And he just he just purposed to go in there. And it wasn't just a couple of times of doing that. He had beat it. He never dealt with it again. But he had to re remember that this fear that was coming up was pointless. There was no reason for it. Daddy was right there. This is our backyard. This is our property. I had line of sight. All was cool. And so there are some things that when whenever we <clears throat> are moving forward with this, that we're going to have to remind ourselves of some things. When this fear comes in, we're going to have to remind ourselves of some things. In Romans 8, 15, this is one of these reminders. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship by which we cry, Abba, Father. He didn't give us a spirit of fear. If all of a sudden fear begins to grip us, that's not from Papa God. 
We don't have to walk in that. We don't have to be challenged and, and, and shackled with that. Hebrews 2 says, Since the children <clears throat> have flesh and blood, he too, this is Jesus, shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who <clears throat> all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. I tell you what, we, Jesus came to free us so we don't operate in this fear. This fear of death in general, this fear of death and destruction coming from one angle or another, that Jesus came so that we could live free from that. Let's also look in Luke 1. I, I, this is so, so, so good. Let's look at this. Let's, we're going to back up into verse 67. Y'all have that on the screen? Yes. <clears throat> His father, Zechariah, this is John the Baptist, um, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Okay? The Holy Spirit is on him. He's speaking out the words of God. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation, that's Jesus, for us in the house of his servant David. Jesus was in the lineage of David and is in the, on the, ruled on the throne of David. As he said through his holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. To serve God, even that place where we can be absolutely without fear, even that place of serving God, where we're not serving out of a place of that the hand of judgment is going to come on, that God's going to get mad at us and smack us around. Prior to this, they served God in a place of fear. We don't see a whole lot of people just operating in this straight-up place of faith. Over and over again, what we would call faith in the New Testament, they called the fear of the Lord in the Old Testament. But whenever, whenever there is, Jesus comes, he allows us to interact with God from this place of, of sons, and not from this place of fearful servants. It changed the dynamics of everything. Because see folks, fear can cripple us from moving forward with what we have been given. We've been given freedom. We've been given love. We've been given all of these things, these talents, these abilities, all of these different things. But if we don't watch it, we will get crippled by fear. Let's look at Matthew 25. It says, Then the man who had received the one talent came <clears throat> and said, Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And this is the one that gets called the wicked and lazy servant. He didn't lose it. He didn't lose it. He just fearfully did nothing with it. He was afraid to step out. Man, some of you here have a dream alive on the inside of you and you won't move forward because you're afraid. Now, there's this part of being wise and calculating and making sure that he who goes to build a tower has counted the cost. I'm not talking about not operating wisdom. I'm talking about that, that the talents are there, the go-ahead is there, all of those things are there, and then you're just locked down with fear. So, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? This is where we have to step out. And God has called us to live bigger lives than we're living right now, folks. All of us are supposed to be moving forward. And if we don't step out, we're going we're gonna to miss out on those things. And fear will lock us down over and over and over again. 
And so we, we have to make sure. Because fear can it just begin to just grab a hold of us and we, we can find ourselves sinking in it and, and just totally messed up in fear. My uh, Mima and Papa are here. And, and some of y'all have heard my Papa stories. Lots of my Papa. And this is my Papa. He's, he's going to be 80 on the same day that Rooster is going to be 13. And uh, so Papa's had a lot of years of experience and had a lot of unique experiences. And one of them I've, I've shared multiple times with y'all, and it's just so appropriate even now. But, uh, but he worked for the county of Andrews, and um, there with the county, uh, they had to deal with some like septic-type systems. So, and then whether anybody's dealt with septic issues, know that every once in a while, they get backed up. They, have, they get backed up. You've got to deal with stuff, and then it's, it's unpleasant. And uh, so there was a number of them that had it uncovered, dealing with it. Whatever it was, the two guys went to lunch. Papa stayed there. Whatever it was, Papa's there on site, open septic tank, and most horrible thing that could possibly happen happened. Somehow he trips and falls into it, into septic deal, into the, the what well, he refers to as a cesspool, and uh, and so now obviously those you know Papa at five eight and three quarter inches tall. Uh, is, uh, you know, those are a lot of times deeper than that. And uh, anyway, so he instinctively threw his arms out. And the hole was big enough that he was able to catch right here. And so he's across the middle of this thing and is just suspended with unpleasantness about neck deep. Neck deep in the junk. Now... To pull himself out, you got to do this move. Obviously, we know, understand physics. You've been in a swimming pool before. What's going to happen? You're going to sink a little bit. If it's up to here, no. No. So he's like, no, this ain't happening. He's by himself. Nobody can rescue him. Nobody can do nothing. He's there getting tired, and he's in the junk. So thankfully, he he wises up, doesn't do it, refuses to go any lower. And folks, there are times, I've heard people say, well, I just hit rock bottom. And then you find out a few years later, they had a new rock bottom. Folks, you know what rock rock bottom is? It's the bottom of a grave, okay? And guess what, folks? Whatever you're going through in life, it can get worse. I hate that. But guess what? In Christ, it it can and will get better. But we have to decide to turn to him, okay, and say, this is it. I'm done here. And he did. He said, I'm done here. It ain't going any lower. And began to find, and there was a concrete one, and it was poured. It wasn't cast exactly perfectly. And there ended up being a little chunk of concrete sticking away from the wall that he found a toehold. He finds the toehold, is able to get his toe on there, support himself enough, pull his arms around, pull himself out, and thankfully never have to go completely under in the junk of life folks when the things that when stuff of fear begin to come up and things begin to rise and it will it's like quicksand fear begin to grip you and if you don't get on top of it it'll begin to come up come up and it will try to envelop you in its nastiness and we have to say we're done here and to do that you've got to find a toehold you've got to say okay this is what i'm standing on when everything else feels like it's coming apart i'm standing here and now and so i want to give us and we're going to look at some things that are some toeholds when fear begins to come into our life and one of them is is knowing that god is at work 
that sets us free from fear. That's a toehold in our life. Understanding that, you know what, God hasn't left us as orphans. That he's still on the throne. That he's got a, he's got a plan. That he'll come through. He didn't cause the mess. He didn't cause you to be neck deep in the junk. But he has a plan. Let's look at Matthew one twenty. <clears throat> says, but this is, we're talking to, here's Joseph right here. Joseph has been talked to by the, by the angel of the Lord that he's supposed to stay with Mary. Mary's come up pregnant. He, know it ain't, he knows it's not his. And, uh, of course, you know, virgin birth was not happened before. And he's like, ooh, I'm done here. And here we go. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. When that angel told him that it was the Holy Spirit that was at work, he dispelled the fear. I can deal with this. God is going to is using this. God's at work here. I can put this fear behind me. It, it is going to be okay. Hebrews thirteen six says, So we, <clears throat> we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Those are these, the, these are these, these toehold scriptures where we begin to stand in faith and know, know that God is going to be able to get us through. Also, knowing that God loves and values us sets us free from fear. The problem is when we think we don't matter to God or that God doesn't really love us, that's why we got to deal with this thing that Nat talked about, that this condemnation isn't there. Because if you think you're living under condemnation, you'll think maybe God's kind of punishing you or working this against you. Or maybe he's just mad at you. Just really don't give a rip. You did this to yourself. Big boy, just live with it. That isn't God. That is not God. And so that's why we have to sit here and understand. Otherwise, we will, we will not stand right. We have to understand what's happening here. That God loves us and values us. Let's look at Matthew 10. Matthew 10 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very heads of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. Are you worth more than many sparrows? God's eyes on the sparrow and you're worth way more than that. Your situation has not escaped his notice. It's not. He loves you and he values you and you need to push in to him. Acts 4.13 says that when they saw the courage of Peter and John. So of course courage is the other end of the spectrum. They're not dealing with fear there. They're not locked down in fear. They're operating on a different level. It says that when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men. These aren't superheroes we're dealing with. These aren't just these absolute incredible guys we're dealing with. These are ordinary men. They were astonished. And they took note that these guys had been with Jesus. These guys knew Jesus. And that was what made the difference. See, they knew. They knew that God loved them. They knew that God valued them. They knew those things. And therefore, fear didn't come in. In situations that people were trying to even instill fear into them threatening them beating them fear could not find its toehold because they had been with jesus they knew god we've got a couple of our teens that they have a song that it's just 
I, I, they're just going to sing it for y'all, and, and it, just, it just says, ultimately, you know, folks, our place of worship is to take what he's done for us and just run with it, just enjoy it, just move it forward. See, Celebration Church is about knowing God better and trusting him more, and that's what these guys are going to sing about. This is my praise, my accolade 
1 John 4 says, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. See, we throw ourselves there at the foot of the cross. See, it doesn't stop there. It says, and so we know and rely on. We know and we trust on the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him. This, in this way, love is made complete among us, so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world we're like him. See, there is no fear in love, but perfect love, it drives out fear. It pushes it out, because fear has to do with punishment. That is why this thing that, that we've talked about over and over and over again, that we're not under condemnation anymore. Condemnation has this fear that comes up that has to do with punishment. God does not want us to serve him out of a fear of punishment. That's not loving God. Understanding that he has poured himself out for us and that he wants to, to move in our lives and, and embracing that, that's the love of God. 
And that pushes out fear. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. Anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Here this is, folks. Here this is. We're able to interact with with God on this fearless kind of love. And folks, we're able to interact with each other on this fearless kind of love. The fear of hurt will come in and make us not take the risk to make a new friend or to reach out and to do something for somebody. The fear of rejection will come in. The fear of other people's opinion will stop us. The fear of our past failures will come in and block us. But when we understand and we embrace real love, it pushes all of that mess out. And then we can live the way we're supposed to. Too many people have stood in my spot as a pastor or a preacher and tried to control people by this fear tactics of if you don't do this and you don't act right, then God's not going to love you or God's not going to do that. I refuse. I refuse. Because God don't deal with me that way. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if people have tried to control you and tried to make you a better Christian by some place of fear or judgment or that kind of stuff. That's not what we have in Christ. That's not the relationship we have. It's just not. See, the love of God lets us live courageously, which it is the most excellent way to live. This courage, this, this, this pushes the fear out and moves forward and throws ourselves forward. We're going to start in the last verse of 1 Corinthians 12. But remember, the Bible wasn't written with little chapters and verses and numbers, all of that. We put that in there so we can find stuff. Okay? But this is, the 1 Corinthians is a letter. So here we go. We're just rolling this all together. But eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I will show you the most excellent way. We roll right into 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and surrender all my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. All these other things are just sweet, good, religious things that, you know what? God wants us to be a mountain-moving kind of people. He wants to be a self-sacrificing kind of people. He wants us to, to be that, that what was just talked about, but in a place of love, not in a place of religious obligation. See, love is patient, you know, when we get impatient, fear comes in. I fear I'm going to be late. I fear this is going to waste my time. I'm getting impatient. I, this, this person isn't going to take care of me. And so now I'm impatient. This person is growing and they're not growing as fast as I want to. And I get impatient. Fear is the one that comes in there. But you know, well, love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. Envy so much is a place of fear. It's people get envious instead of being excited when somebody gets something, gets a blessing. Because the envy says, oh, I'm going to be left out. They got it and I didn't. Fear comes in and robs it. But perfect love, it casts that mess out. And then we jump down to verse 13. It says that now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But folks, the greatest of these is love. Perfect love, it casts all that other stuff out. It doesn't say, what if I fail again? He says, God is so big, he's going to love me anyways, and we're going to move forward, and it's going to be better than it's ever been. 
1 Corinthians 16, as we wrap this up, says, But be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong and do everything in love. Why? Because then we're doing it from this place that it's not out of manipulative, controlling fear. It's this place of love. See, when we live in the grace and the love that we have in Christ, then we can really get over the fears of life and make this our leap year. We put that other stuff behind us and we move on. Say, God, I love you. And God, I'm on a purpose to love others. And there's no room in my life for to be controlled or stopped by fear. We're just not going to leave room for it. We're just not. Because see, God, like they sang, God really is raising us up in the strength of his love. He really is. Now this morning, if you came and you're, you're disconnected from that because you haven't made step one. Step one is saying, God, I need you. I have this, play, the, this, this sin stuff, this issue, my failures, my stuff. It's still on my head. And I need to let you take care of it. Because that's what Jesus did. He took care of it. We couldn't do it. So he did it for us. And that's the beginning place. We start with our, with in a place where the, the sin, hmm, we're loosed. And now we can just live for him. But you've got to start there. And I'd appreciate if everybody just create a quiet moment.